Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for supporting the show. I know... You have many, many, many choices, and uh, I always appreciate the fact that you hang out with me per se and uh, listen up. One of the things I want to talk about, because I'm trying to talk a little more stocks on occasion because I think stocks are sexy, and I want to keep you here, but at the same time, I don't want you to get in too much trouble with stocks. There's a lot of things that drive catalysts. Well, okay, wait. There's four things that move stocks higher. There's the overall stock market. The stock market's moving higher. Any stock can move higher. Stock market's moving lower. It's, it's, it could be part of a trend where just people are like, eh, I don't want to feel like, I don't, market's down 10% a year. I'm going to take a year off, which is actually the opposite way of the way you should be thinking. Um, then there's the company itself. How are they doing? Then there's the sector. How's it doing? And then there's the overall visibility. And the easiest way I can explain overall visibility is, you're going to put a premium on, on something that doesn't have a lot of visibility. You're going to get a discount for something that has a lot of visibility. And let me explain that. Like a food company, like a Safeway, and that's a bad example, or let's say a Whole Foods, we know that people are going to eat food. And we know that, you know, whether it be an Albertsons, a Whole Foods, whether it be a Kroger, uh, a Safeway when they're publicly traded, we know that they're going to eat food. Um, there's no way around that. So, like, that's pretty visible. So we're not going to – it's not going to sound like people eat chicken 2.0 or um, beef frothy uh, kamalaka maka. Like, there's not – it's not that many innovations in food. Um, but we know how much people are eating three meals a day kind of thing, 2,500 calories, what have you. So one area where it's really, really tough to like pen stuff down is biotechs. Biotechs can get very political very quickly. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, a president 
could say, you know, um, I want to cure cancer this in my term. Or a president could say, uh, we're going to, you know, be more, we're going to scrutinize you a little bit more. The common underlying theme of some biotech stocks, and I looked up four bi-rated biotech stocks, Novax, NVAX, Therapeutics MD, TXMD, Intracellular Therapies, ITCI, and Serious Therapeutics, MCRB. And I was trying to figure out, like, what's the theme in all of them on what they have in, in, in balance of why are they all bi-rated biotechs. The common underlying theme is the expectation for events to occur. A lot of times a biotech company says, I'm going to cure baldness, or I'm going to cure erectile dysfunction, or I'm going to cure um, cancer. And you have phase one trials, phase two trials, phase three trials, and then you go to the FDA and say, here's all of our data. And the phase one might be like um, just a model. Phase two is a test on animals. Phase three is a test on humans. And you have to kind of show that, you know, the efficacy of the drug as well as the overall safety. And, you know, if you could show something that's, hey, we've been using, you know, part of this drug for, you know, 100 plus years. Um, that's a lot better than saying we just synthesize something that is brand new and we don't know if it's going to grow a head out of your back in three years. We don't have three years of data. So having an event coming up, like a phase one, phase two, phase three, it compels the market to put more highly value on the company. Um, all of these stocks are considered attractive, long-term investing ideas, but there's also an event tied towards them. The risk-reward profile is favorable, and if the data exists that makes the decision more predictable than a coin toss on will it or will it not get approved, then you could see some immediate upside potential. Again, the names are Series Therapeutics, MCRB, Intracellular Therapies, ITCI, Novavax, NVAX, and Therapeutics MD, TXMD. You should consult a broker advisor for TXMD and any stocks ever mentioned. But that immediate upside potential is a lot more difficult, again, to gauge given the somewhat bearish nature of the broader biotech sector at this point in time. Investors may not make decisions based on a single day's trading. So the tone of tape is data dependent and your willingness to put money to work. Um, all the companies are well below their price targets that analysts have on them. The probability of technical success um, reflects a high level of confidence that the drugs will be successfully developed. The upshot is obviously in some cases with positive data, the fair value estimate may not increase substantially. Um, appreciate that some investors may lack a desire for binary risk exposure. And I can totally understand that a lot of people don't know one damn thing about biotechs. Um, you know, uh, most Americans are afraid of flu shots. Uh, afraid that they're going to, you know, die. Oh, it's got, you know, something in it. Um, fair enough. Fair enough. That fish that you're eating probably has the same high levels so of mercury. Fish, in fact, typically have higher levels of mercury in it than a, a shot. Um, but I get it. People don't want to put that stuff in their body. They don't want to put the stuff in their body. That's fine. Um, so there's also presidential risk, like I said, that could temper investor enthusiasm towards biotech stocks. Um, whether the sector tape rebounds broadly this year or not, if the sector does well versus, you know, how I said... If the stock market's doing well, if the sector does well, if the company does well. So right now, the sector's not doing well. Uh, investors are betting you know, on stocks of companies facing asset de-risking events. 
namely clinical trial data releases. Mechanically, you know, valuations would increase with a higher you know, announcement of positive data. So the companies have clinical programs, and I should talk a little bit about them, intracellulars, ITI-007 for bipolar depression and for behavioral disturbances associated with dementia in addition to schizophrenia and Novavax's respiratory uh, synthial virus vaccine for maternal vaccination for pediatric application. Uh, for series, the company SERES, they've got positive phase two data um, that could set up to advance to pivotal testing by the year end for 2016. Um, so, of course, consult a broker or advisor if taking action on any stocks mentioned. Um, you should also look at the granddaddies like a Biogen or Gilead Sciences um, before taking any action on anything as far as biotech goes. But your portfolio, I think, should have 5% biotech, whether it's in indexes or whether it's in individual names. If you're great in individual names, great. If you're not, indexes. I think uh, you know the ability to solve medical conditions is going to have long, greater value to me than, say, newest pair of cargo pants from, you know, uh, Gap or Banana Republic or whoever. So Activision Blizzard, there's a new movie coming out, Warcraft. And one of their biggest games ever is Warcraft. So they had a quarter that just exceeded expectations but left upside for the rest of the year. They only passed on a portion of the upside. The way they book their revenues is to string it out. Activision Blizzard could earn well in excess of $3 a share if it optimizes King's untapped advertising opportunity and unlocks deal synergies. So you don't have to own Amazon or Facebook to be sexy technology. There's other stuff out there. But again, you have to do a lot of homework, a lot of homework to figure out revenues and product CEOs and management teams and profit margins. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show. YouTube at Roblox Show. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. I'm leaving my job. I get an email from Rob at RobLuckShoe.com. I'm leaving my job of the last five years and have a couple thousand dollars in a 401k. My new job has a 401k as well. What should I do with the money I've already saved at my old job? Well, first and foremost, congrats on the new job. Hopefully it's higher pay with better benefits. Don't forget to look at benefits. If it's pretty close in salary, you have to look at the benefits. Um, you can cash it out. That's obviously one thing that you can do. When you cash out your 401k, you probably pay a 10% penalty plus taxes on the money you take out. So that's not good. So 
you know, I'm not going to speak for this person directly because there's not a lot more details other than that. But let's say she uh, she said that she had, let's say it's $10,000. And, you know, you're going to pay a $1,000 penalty plus taxes. So the $1,000 penalty, that's 10% on $10,000. And if you're in the 25% tax bracket and, you know, you pay 5 to 10% in sales state taxes, you're down to $5,500 out of the $10,000 that you saved. Um, but let's say you're 30 years old, the real impact of that $10,000 and losing that $6,500 could be, you know, if you let it grow for another 10, 20, 30 years without taking it out, it would be worth well over $100,000. So don't cash out when you leave. Um, a lot of people just do nothing. That's an obvious choice for a lot of people when it comes to their 401k. I got a new job, I'm going to keep the old 401k. But first and foremost, you have to look at the fees, because if the fees are higher than one half of 1%, you could do better. You should roll it over in that point in time to maybe a new 401k, maybe into an IRA or into a Roth IRA. But let's look at rolling it over into a 401k, your new company. Um, if your new company has a 401k with a lot of low-cost investment options, like index funds, you may decide to roll over your old plan into the new plan. And since you only have a few thousand dollars, this is a simple solution that helps you streamline your accounts and could be a good fit for the person. I personally like to roll it over into an IRA. Uh, a solid choice. Most financial planners recommend that you roll over your 401k into an IRA because of the following thought, that you'll have more investment options and can choose funds with lower fees. You won't pay any taxes or penalties when you do a rollover into an IRA because both 401ks and traditional IRAs are funded with pre-tax dollars. And finally, rolling your 401k over into a Roth IRA could be a very smart idea, especially since the person said it's just $10,000. It didn't say it's just $10,000, but just said it's a few thousand dollars. Now, if you do this, you're going to pay taxes. But the thought is that you're probably in a low tax bracket because you haven't saved very much at this point in time. And you hopefully will work another 10, 15, 20, 30, 35 years, and you'll move into higher tax brackets. So I would consider rolling over the 401k into a Roth IRA. You'll have more investment options. You can choose funds with lower fees. Sadly, you'll pay the taxes on the money you roll over now, but it will grow tax-free. You'll have to pay your federal taxes on the money that you roll over. You've already paid your state taxes on it when you put it in. This means, now again, the capital gains and other things will start to hit you. But this means when you withdraw the money in retirement that you won't have to pay taxes on it since you paid them already when you moved money into your Roth IRA. Um, it's overwhelming, and there's a ton of decisions, and you feel like I have to make the right one. I get it. How can I get analyst reports? This is an email that I get all the time. And analyst reports, you'll hear there's a new analyst who happens to be the best analyst on Apple, predicting the most correct amount of product. And stock price has been pretty close. So if you're a stock picker, you should really read all about it, extra, extra, read all about it. Analyst reports could be a useful way to better understand, you know, how the stock market and financial communities are deciding on how to value the companies that you're interested in investing in. Research isn't cheap. It's expensive. 
research reports from major investment firms are typically only given to large investors who have business relationships with them. If you're not a client of the investment firm, you might not have ready access to the reports being produced by that analyst. But there's a lot of information out there that you don't have to be left at an informational disadvantage because documents can contain useful information. You can still get your hands on them. Um, I think one of the best ways to do this is opening an account at a brokerage firm. And, for instance, when you open an account at TD Ameritrade, you get access to Standard & Poor's reports, uh, the Street.com reports, Argus Research. Uh, Charles Schwab also gives you reports at no cost. So that's one of the reasons I recommend an investment club. Now you're saying, what's an investment club, Rob? Should me and the ladies get together for cheese and every week, every month we'll put in, you know, $200 and there'll be 10 of us and we'll invest in something. And through the years, we'll, you know, grow that asset big enough that we can buy a house to retire and, you know, all the ladies will be able to share a retirement home. That's a great idea. I don't know if it's realistic, but I like the idea of getting the hell out of your house and going and hanging out with other people. And talking money isn't the worst thing in the world. I really, really like talking money with older people um, because they this isn't their first rodeo. So whether it's firefighters, I've talked to groups of firefighters before about money. Um, I've talked to you know, groups of women who get together and drink wine. And it's the person who's the oldest and crabbiest and toughest is my favorite person in large part because um, – they're not drinking the Kool-Aid. They're not like, ooh, Facebook always goes higher and Apple is going to double from here like it did last year. You want someone who has a different opinion. Major online discount brokerages, like I said, have reports. And if you can get into an investment club, you can say, hey, why doesn't someone open an account with Fidelity? Why doesn't someone open an account with TDA Ameritrade? Why doesn't someone open an account with Schwab? Then you say, okay, let's talk about some companies that we're looking in to invest in. And... I'll have another glass of wine. And, you know, maybe Tesla comes up, maybe Apple comes up, maybe Nike comes up, what have you. And then you assign, like, hey, whoever has the Fidelity account, go do some research on it. Bring it next week or next month. Um, okay, now let's vote on last month's research kind of thing. It's not a bad way of going about it. So uh, throwing that out there, that I think uh, I don't think the professional research is going to make or break you. But I think the professional research will get you a little more confident in what you're looking for and what you like or don't like. And sometimes that professional research will say something like, here's a five-year trading range on PE. Um, Google's traded between a PE of 15 and 45. It's currently at 42. You'd be like, ooh, that's rich historically. Doesn't mean it can't go higher. It just means in the last five years it didn't go much higher. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, more. Find me at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money 
on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking to all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thought I'd talk a little bit about buying your first home or buying a home. This is a brutal market to do it in the Bay Area. Um, some things to ease your path. Obviously, you want to know your numbers. You want to find an agent. You want to nail down a budget. Student debt doesn't count you out. You want to keep a lid on credit card use. Consider pre-qualification. You want to be really, really choosy. You want to seek some professional assistance and consider FHA. Now, I just flew through those topics because I think that's a good start. You know, have some sort of outline in your head of what this is going to look like. Um, but then on top of it, you know, know your numbers. Take a look at your credit score. Go to annualcreditreport.com today if you're going to buy in the next year, two years. Um, start trying to improve it. Google how to improve your credit score. Don't you dare buy Susie Orman's credit score improvement kit for 70 bucks when all that information is free online. Uh, you want to find an agent. So I'd go to a couple. Um, if you don't have one, ask friends if they don't have one that they like. Um, I'd go to a couple open houses. I would interview them. You want to nail down a budget. Uh, typically, you can afford about two and a half times your salary. Uh, that's a good number to start with. Uh, so if you're making 100000 you can really only afford 250 if the houses that you want are 600, you can't buy a house. You're not, no, no magic can make that happen. Um, student debt doesn't count you out. So a lot of first-time homebuyers are burdened with student debt, but that's not necessarily going to disqualify you. Lenders look to people to be well-rounded, and so having more than one line of credit is important. A lot of people are burdened with that student debt. Um, as long as you're servicing it, it helps. Um, you don't want to have your credit card debt at more than 30% of your limit, so you're looking like less of a risk to a lender that you're not going to go out and potentially get into a lot of trouble. You want to get pre-qualified, uh, work with a mortgage lender. I've got a great one, Tony Mendez. You can find him at bayarealensource.com. Um, he's going to be honest with you. Not all lenders will. A lot of lenders will lie to you and try to get you into a house because they just want a transaction. Be careful. Um, you want to be super choosy. Um, you know, when you pre-qualify for a loan, and you start looking for, you know, the next thing, that home, just know that this is a $400,000, $600,000 or more purchase. It's a big one. It's one of the biggest you're going to have in your life, if not the biggest. So don't get into a house that's nasty that you're not happy with unless you love fixing stuff up. Um, you always want to seek assistance, um, especially if you are something unique. Maybe you're an educator or a nurse or a firefighter or a physician. Um, ask you know your lender about programs that might be available to that type of profession. So that can obviously be uh, beneficial to you. And consider an FHA loan. If you can't come up with a hefty down payment, FHA insured mortgages allow some borrowers to put down as little as 3.5%. So that's why you want to work with a mortgage lender who knows their product. Let's bring in Tony Mendez with BayAreaLoanSource.com to talk a little more real estate. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Tony, you worked in the mortgage industry, so you see a lot of what's going on. Uh, you put together a lot of the paperwork. One of the pieces of paperwork that you put together is insurance on the home. Right. You want to make sure the person who's buying a home gets homeowner's insurance before the transaction's finished. Um, is that a law or is that a courtesy? 
Uh, it's a lender requirement. Lender requirement? Okay. Lender requirement. I mean, if you own your house free and clear, you're going to obviously want to protect your asset. But the lenders have tighter guidelines on, on what is required as far as what your coverages are, your, your liabilities, insurance. I think everyone needs to review their paperwork every five years. This is a very odd concept, but my business is worth more than it was five years ago. Mm-hmm. So I need to change my life insurance in case And building I die. costs have gone up and, then, and replacement costs. Well, before we get there, let, let me finish this thought so that people can tie it together nicely. If I were to die, my partner buys me out. I have life insurance on him. He has life insurance on me. Perfect, right? But we have to up that every five years because the value of the business goes up. Right. So that's kind of frustrating. With that said, same thing with your home. I bought my house five years ago. I could tell you that the houses on my street, the quality has gone up a lot with people um, rebuilding their homes, with their bringing in construction. Um, some people are doing complete teardowns and putting in super fancy nice homes. That scares me a little bit because that means yeah. for me to rebuild, it's going to be more expensive. Well, and and look at this mathematically, though. It's not always the rebuilding cost. Your, your land is what's going up faster than the actual rebuild. But you do want to still reanalyze your insurance policy every year, to be honest with you, because you may have bought new items that you're including in your house, or you may have updated a kitchen or had some new appliances. There's a lot of things you can include into your insurance policy um, on your homeowner's policy. So I would look at it every year. Most people, I think it's about 80%, I think is the statistic, is under, they're underinsured yeah. on their home. Um, so you want to keep looking at your policy on a yearly basis, especially if in, in a market like this where home prices are going up and down, land prices are going up and down. You're not insuring your land, but you're insuring the rebuild cost and everything else inside. So let's talk that concept a little bit. Um, every now and then there's just true disaster. And you have homeowners insurance, you feel very comfortable with it, but you've been living in the Oakland Hills for 20 years and a fire sweeps through the Oakland Hills. You're not going to be able to afford to rebuild. You're, you're done. Yeah. You're selling that piece of land, and someone else is going to build there. Um, because in 20 years, housing and construction costs have gone up significantly. And I would check your coverage, too. Um, some people might think they have the right kind of hazard insurance, the right kind of fire coverage. I was recently talking to a friend of my parents, and they had a home in New Jersey that was wiped out by Sandy, was the storm. Uh-huh. And a year earlier, their insurance company said, we don't want to own any policies on the coast. And they got rid of it. Uh, and they went with a sub a sub standard type of insurance company that replaced it and it did and they did not cover the flood so you go and look at, at your policy especially if, you, if you're in a sort of like flood not flood zone but like a landslide zone i looked at a house not recent not too long ago where part of the uh, disclosure said that it was in a like a landslide area so i mean this, these are some, some of the things you need to have on your coverage you and i spent some time on the east coast in our younger years and it was an auto insurance company called Katz Auto Insurance, and it was spelled K-A-T-Z, and there, the, it was a lion, like, never use an insurance company that can't even spell. I like using, I use USAA, my dad was in the military, it's the greatest insurance company ever. I love them. So that keeps the cost of my, and then I, I put my auto insurance with them, they give me a multi-policy discount. So I'm very, very pleased. I like multi-policy discounts. Everyone should consider it. Like, if you need term life, Call your auto insurance that's a, that's and see if they can do it. a great piece of advice. Um, put everything together, get a, a lower discount. Absolutely. And go with quality. I think Geico is great if you can't get USAA. Um, I would not go with the local insurance agent. And, again, I'm pissing some people off. I know. 
I want if Warren Buffett bought Geico for a reason and everything's on a phone and you never actually have a real estate agent. But yeah, if you want to test your policy, I can call Geico right now or USAA and say, hey, does my house cover if a meteor hits it? Does my homeowners cover it if, you know, someone breaks in? What's my deductible? Call these people and yep. ask, ask questions and get the answers before the disaster happens. With that said, very, very important to review your policies. That's the last thing I'm going to say, because also on some policies, sometimes you designate, like I had, I had life insurance that went to my first wife. That would not have been good if Cindy, if I died, she gets insurance. Chad's got that story where one of his financial planners um, out of college had a boyfriend and he put her name on yeah. the policy. She, he gets married, has a kid, dies, and the life insurance went to the girlfriend from college. I mean, even as small as if you have kids and you have more kids coming out on your property and other people and you have a pet, for example, those are things that you need to change your policy as well. It's not just about the house. It's about the liabilities that go along with it. Number one claim on homeowners insurance. Dog bites. Dog bites. Yep. Buy a cat, sell the dog. Yep. With that said, that's Tony Mendez. You can find him online at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Topic change, iPhone sales, the SE, the SE, that's the new one that came out recently that's um, kind of the, I'm not going to say the ghetto version, but the cheaper version. Um, they decided to go small in size and price. The iPhone SE was a grab for first-time buyers in markets like China and India, where $600 is sometimes a very big barrier into entry. Um, the strategy at first blush appears to have paid off big. The big question is, will the strategy hurt them and cannibalize from their new phone that comes out in the fall? So far, they've uh, ordered more phones for the iPhone 7 than any other phone they ever produced, which means, in theory, if they meet demand, uh, if the demand's there, they'll have a record quarter yet again, and that stock should move higher with that. Apple goes small. The forecast of the first initial year was somewhere between 10 to 20 million for the SE, but it could hit 30 million units sold. Um, good and bad. Long-term, good for services. Short-term, bad for higher profit margins and more expensive phones. So 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. I don't get enough uh, calls on the show. It's a little bit of a problem. Not like I'm going to be laid off or anything, but uh, just doesn't really turn into the show that it should be. Um, analysts are telling Twitter hope is not a strategy. Hope belongs on two places. It belongs on the football field or the sporting field, and it belongs in church. When I die, I hope there's a heaven. I hope there's an afterlife. This weekend uh, or tomorrow night, I hope the Sharks win and clinch and go to the Stanley Cup Finals because I think the Bay Area would fall more in love with hockey, and I think it's a great sport. I can't do anything about it. Not a player. I'm not that loud of a fan. Not a coach. Um, I can't incentivize the team with, you know, gold. Uh, so hope doesn't belong in the stock market. Always try to remember that. If you're in a position where you feel uncomfortable, remember you probably shouldn't be in that position. Let's take a break here. You can find me at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show, and Facebook Cron4 Rob Black. I've made up my mind.
listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome in. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. You can find out more about me at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show, Cron4, Rob Black. Um, if you sign up for Cron4, Rob Black, sometimes I give discounts to seminars that I do coming up. And I'll send out an event. I'll sign up an event so that it's either free or super cheap. Um, but it's out there for you just in case you want to do it. And I post content to my videos and my radio shows there as well. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you really want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, I think one of the big stories that we can learn from is Netflix is one of those companies that we all know, we all kind of understand. And this story can happen today, it can happen in a year, it can happen in five years. Um, I've been hearing more and more about, you know, cutting the cord. We all know what it is. It's cable companies kind of have us locked in. We love that cable modem. We love the cable service, but we go, damn, there's too many channels, and we're paying for those. Um, so when I do a story about Netflix and cutting the cords, Netflix has got some great programming, but programming's expensive, and you kind of want to stay current with it in relative uh, relevant, so to speak. Uh, so Netflix, a couple years ago, they announced a deal that they were going to lock up basically Marvel and Lucasfilm and Pixar for a long time. And they paid a pretty penny for it. But right now, if you want to watch like a Disney film, you might be able to get it on Stars. Um, maybe you know, on HBO. I don't know. I'm not much of a movie kind of guy. But it's an exclusive deal that was negotiated back in 2012. And, you know, look at the calendar today, and it goes into effect late 2016. Start of 2016, nope. Late 2016. 2016, whoops, sorry, Mr. Window and Star Wars. Um, but Netflix has content now that every parent wants to show their kid. It's the Disney catalog. And this is an exclusive license, and it gives them content that's theirs. It's, they don't have to make it. They just have to pay a pretty penny for it. And there will be scenarios where you know parents get Netflix just because of Disney films. And then as your kid goes from you know the Pixar kid and the Frozen, you know the Finding Dory or Finding Nemo and uh, uh, the Princess Frozen. As they graduate from that, maybe they'll go into the Marvel Universe of Spider-Man and uh, Superman and, you know, all Supernauts, not, not Marvel, but uh, the Avengers, Iron Man, Captain America, Ant-Man. Um, you can see your kids burning through that content pretty quickly, right? But then they also graduate to the Star Wars Universe of Lucasfilm and dun da dun da dun da da and all the things Raiders of the Lost Ark and things that Lucas has put his name on. So I think it was a pretty smart deal, even if they paid too much for it, because Netflix, A, they don't have to produce that content and spend you know billions of dollars producing it, but they have something that you can't find elsewhere. So... And I don't know all the details of the deal. Like, will some of the movies be shown on the Disney Channel? I'm sure they will. 
But as far as pay channels, that's the one that they feel pretty locked up in. So you're looking for content that's exclusive or something that's unique. Back in the 1990s, Intel made semiconductors for computers, and computers were, you know, $4,000 to get a good computer. Um, and in hindsight, phew, an Apple Watch was, is probably a stronger computer now than, you know, a $4,000 computer from the early 90s, a Dell or a Compaq or a Gateway. It's got to be a Dell, dude. Um, but Intel, like, and the computer makers were like, yeah, we got Intel inside. It wasn't content, but it was product, right? So you should always be looking at, at Wall Street as what's the product. And I've talked about biotech stocks, and the product obviously is a cure for something or a treatment for something, right? And that's a lot tougher to predict than the product of a Netflix. Now, again, with Netflix, you're looking at the number of subscribers. You're also looking at like an international expansion, the cost of advertising. And you can go back and just study the days of AOL. Um, do you remember when AOL used to send... Uh, CDs in the mail to you to get you to sign up and they give you like 100 free hours or something ridiculous like that. And it's AOL 1, AOL 2.0, AOL 3, AOL 4, AOL, like, and you kept getting this mail and you're like, stop it, enough, enough already. Um, anyway, I always want you to look at product and always like the cost and, you know, it's not free to send out CDs. I'm like, uh, there's a guy in my city who sends out, he's a realtor, who sends out a really damn nice color brochure that's it's not like 10 pages long. It's like 100 pages. Um, and it's almost comically bad. So he plays upon his Asian heritage with a lot of Asian cliches. Um, so I look at that and like, this guy must be making a lot of money because he's pr- his advertisements are pretty expensive. 800-516-1220. Talking about a weird multi-licensing exclusive global partnership. Red Bull's teaming up with GoPro. That's kind of a, like, you go, okay, okay. And I don't see a lot of that in there. But Red Bull announced that, you know, they're going to create some content. They're going to distribute. They're going to cross-promote. They're going to product innovate. Um, I don't know. Does that seem obvious to anyone out there? Because it doesn't seem obvious to me, other than the content and, like, uh, some of the sporting events that Red Bull sponsors. Obviously, it would be great for GoPros. But it doesn't feel like a game-changer to me. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. You can find me at Facebook, Cron4 Rob Black. That's Cron4 Rob Black. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision.